Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast, another in-studio guest, Lower Manhattan resident, um, Renee Stubbs has swung by the uh, the studio. Have you been? You've been here before, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. New Yorker. Uh, I'm here Renee about as much Stubbs. as you, apparently. Uh, don't tell anyone that. Um, nice to see you. Yeah, good to see you. So you are here. You know why? Because off-court matters are, I think, taking up way too much bandwidth and oxygen these days. In these last few days. In particular, we can talk about that maybe later on, but I feel like I want to zig where the world is zagging. How, how about we actually talk tennis? How about mm. we actually talk about athletes hitting a ball over a net and yeah. not um, Let's do that. unfortunate political matters? So we can touch on um, some of these topics maybe later on, but I thought we would actually talk tennis. I feel very bad for Petra Kvitova and Dominic Team, who had two terrific weeks last week. It coincided with... Uh, a lot of ATP politics and a very unpleasant situation. Um, we won't beat around the boat about Justin Gimmelstab, um, but I feel like way too much attention has been diverted uh, on account of that away from tennis. So this is an attempt to swing things back. So I thought you'd be a great person to actually talk some ball with mm. and not um Well, you know me, governance. John. I mean, let's be honest. I could, you could pretty much throw anything at me, and I'll t- I'm happy to talk That's about it. That's why we love you. So let's talk tennis. Um, let's start with uh, the men. Been a bit of a strange year so far. Does Rafa Nadal yeah. win the French Open? Well, um, believe it or not, he's um, he's not my favorite. I think that Dominic. Ooh. I think Dominic Team is, and I would not have said that. I would not have said that prior to the start of the season. The only caveat for me is Rome. Rome for me is has always been the catalyst of the tournament that for me shows who is playing at their very best on clay for. Paris because I, I've always found that Rome is the closest clay as far as speed and uh, weather is concerned to Paris. Um, so so I'll, I'll, I'll keep 
I'll keep a sort of a little bit of an asterisk on Rafa's name until after Rome, and then and then I'll wait and see um, what happens there. If he wins Rome, then I'll certainly put him back um, as favourite. But right now, I mean, I think Dominic Team has kind of sort of let everybody know. I I said last year that there's no doubt in my mind that Dominic Team's going to win the French. It's really? Just a, it's just a matter of when. Um, and I think after the year that he's had with Indian Wells and then just what he did last week, I think that he's kind of letting people know that he actually believes in himself now. And that's part of the, that's part of the issue is just starting to learn how to play these big matches. Um, look, I mean, Djokovic is certainly going to be uh, probably equal favourite um, now with Rafa not being at his best. But, hey, listen, it wouldn't surprise me if Rafa wins 12. That's a bold statement. I um, mean, you, you know, what, what about best of three versus best of five? Well, you know how I feel about that. I mean, I've publicly said this many times. No, 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 I've, I've no. I mean, it. just no, no, no. I don't, I don't mean as a discussion point. But I just the mean fact that they ha- relative they to Dominic five. Team and like yeah. beating beating a guy in four and four in Barcelona is one thing, but get out there for best of five, it's a different mentality. Hundred percent. I mean, it's been one of the reasons why the guys have been so the, these particular guys have been right, so exactly. dominant at Grand exactly. Slams is that to beat them over five sets is a whole different. Uh, story. I mean, you can mentally wrap your head around, can I get an hour and a half of my best tennis out of myself today to win this final? Can I win a four and four? Can I win six, four in the third? Um, whereas going five sets against someone like Rafa or Novak or, or Roger is, I mean, that's a bear, right? That's a, that's a bear to win three sets against three of the greatest players of all time. But I think that, you know, look, he made the final last year at the French, so he knows how to get to a final and that's the navigating you're talking through, about team. I'm talking about Dominic team. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can once you get through a final, and he certainly beat some great players to get to the final last year. I think it was overwhelming in the final. I mean, playing the greatest clay court player of all time over five sets. Um, but now I think mentally he thinks that he can do it, and that's such a big deal, John. Well, mentally, well, let me so talk about Rafa with that because I think look when Rafa isn't a hundred percent healthy, usually you can tell, you can mm-hmm. see it in his court positioning, you can see it with miles per hour on his serve. I'm not convinced that this isn't more, and I, and I think it's it's too it's crass to say mental versus physical. I think there's a lot of overlap, and I think the physical can lead to the mental. But what's interesting about Rafa these last few weeks is that it doesn't appear as though he's injured. Well, I've also heard different opinions about that. I've heard him, you know, he's practicing and he's sort of, you know, throwing his head around and he's sort of complaining about his wrist a little bit. So there's there's conflicting arguments on that front. Um, I I. Th- think that we cannot underestimate the absolute belting he got at the Australian Open in the final. And I just wonder how much confidence-wise that hurt his confidence. Um, Because talk about over five sets, you would think that someone like Rafa could sort of work it out, right? I mean, he went into that final playing really good tennis, and he just got, I mean, just... uh just thrashed and it was like he just had nothing he and uh, his face told the story during the match was like what do i do i have uh, what do i do what do i do and and maybe you're starting to see the remnants of that coming into the clay court season now not having the results that we're so used to him having you start to wonder how much of his confidence was dented from that final and how much now the confidence is dented after these last couple of weeks remember the uh the wimbledon semi-final against djokovic Mm. nadal djokovic and Great, I mean, that's as good a match as I saw in 2018, yep. deep into five sets. Yep. Players don't think about it all the time, or, or do they? Think it at the time, boy, if I win this match, this is going to do X for me, and if I lose this match, it's going to do Y. I mean, I don't think you think about that on the court. I don't think you think, oh, if I win this match, it's going to, you know, propel me to have the most amazing year. Or I'm, I'm looking at 18 majors. I've just beaten Djokovic, yeah. and now I'm closing in on Roger. I mean, the, 
couple of points in that one. Yeah. You could say the same thing about the 2017 Australian Open, Open final, final, but yeah. that that match against that Djokovic at Wimbledon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that a matter he of still inches. Remembers that shot. Tennis history is on the smallest of axes. And yeah. I always think if Rafa wins that match against Djokovic hmm. in the Wimbledon semis, a lot of 2018 and a lot of that Australian Open final may have been written very differently. Absolutely. I mean, you can make that argument with a lot of different players, you know, in their careers. I mean, if maybe if Grigor Dimitrov had sort of closed the door in that match at the Wimbledon, you know, years and years ago against uh, Novak, um, that could have turned his career around to give him the belief that maybe he can win a slam. Um, I don't know, and he lost that match. So, I mean, there's so many that you could look at like that. Could it have happened? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if he'd won that match at Wimbledon, certainly would have uh, made a huge difference to win the French Open in Wimbledon because probably guaranteed he would win the, the final just because Kevin was, you know, cactus, as we say in Australia, in the final after the, the Isner match. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I just think we can't we can't look back, but we can look and learn from that match. And for me, the Australian Open loss, I think, really dented his confidence in a way that we haven't seen ever. In, I, I'd never seen that before, ever. That was such a weird match, too, because to that point, Nadal had been playing great. That's what I mean. I mean, he went into the final playing beautiful unbelievable. Yep, yep. I mean, it wasn't like he went into the final sort of limping into the final exactly. or just getting through exactly. in five or, you know, at times like, oh, he's not the same player. I mean, he went into the final and you're like, whoa, like these two are both playing unbelievable. This is going to be an epic game, right? It's all anybody could talk about in Australia. Oh, are we going to have the same as we did, you know, five years the ago? The dream final. Yeah, blah. Yeah. And it was just terrible. Right. It was just terrible. Right. Um, you know, I think he should have won the match against Roger the previous uh, was it the previous year, the year before when he had in a break in uh, in the final, right, and right. and that was the first time that I saw Rafa really get tight, like really tight, like it was so obvious that he got nervous, and you know Roger took advantage of that, and that was the diff- Roger won that match, and what a year he had after that. So you know you could look back on maybe that could have changed things. I don't know, but. Uh, we're just talking about now, we're talking about the French Open, and I think that this is the first time that we can honestly say Rafa goes into this massively with an unknown next to his name, which is extraordinary to think. Man, you're, so someone wrote to me on, on Twitter, so who are you taking, uh, would you take Nadal versus the field? I'd take the field. And yeah, No, I was going to say, you didn't, we don't even get to that point. You, you think there's a favorite, uh, you're, you're picking team. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the field... Um, listen, if if Rafa ends up doing uh, winning another one, it won't surprise me at all because right. you know he could work his way into a tournament, and then once his confidence is up, no, you know, it, I'm talking about the fact that he he has to have very low confidence going into the French Open after what happened to him in Australia. He did not have a good swing, you know, he, he pulled out of a lot of events in, on the hard court. Then he hasn't had the the clay court build up. He still has some tournaments left. Like I said, I'll reserve my opinion until after Rome fully. Um, but he goes into the French Open for the first time not being confident at all in himself and his tennis, and that we can never have said in the past. Can no matter what he did in the hardcourt season, right. he came into the French Open on exactly. fire. Right. Clay Roth, That's Clay not Rafa. the case this right. time. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, let me ask you this. He will likely play, if he gets to the finals, he will likely play six matches on one court <laughs> and one match on uh, on a second court, on yeah. Longland. Yeah. 
How much of an advantage is that? Oh, huge. Massive. Why don't we talk? So thank you. Oh, I, I'm leading the witness. Enormous. Why don't we talk about it, that more? It's enormous. And nobody talks about it. I mean, it's safe to say, look, if you, if you go out and play on on, on Philippe Chartrier against a player that's been out there a few times or a bunch of times, certainly it, 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 it is good for them to have played out there. But if you've never played out there or if, certainly if you've only played once, maybe twice, it is such an advantage. The court is... The feel is different. The look is different. It, it, for the first five to six games as a player, you're telling yourself, keep your head down, stop looking around. Oh, my God, I'm on center court. Oh, my God, oh, my God, all these right. people. Oh, the TVs are on me. I'm playing rough. That's all that's going through but your not, head. Not even that. No one will admit the that. dimensions. I mean, just yeah, where am everything. I standing? How much room do I have till I hit everything. the flower boxes? Everything. Everything is so different. Um, and... You know, for certainly for young players, oh my god! I mean, it's just like overwhelming for them. But you know, even for a veteran player that's never been I out just, there, I don't if you know put why. Rafa on court eight at Roland Garros, he would probably win ninety nine point nine percent of the same matches that he's won on Philippe Chatrier as well. Right. Although he wouldn't have the room no, to run back. To that's me, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's <laughs> returning from a different point. But exactly. I, I always want. I mean, Serena Williams at the U.S. Open. There is one court. Yeah, one court on which she'll play. One court. I got to think that is an advantage. Though. It's a huge advantage. Massive. Um, and so the court speeds are different. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, too. It's only one court speed. I wouldn't that say that the court speeds necessarily – well, it is a little bit different in Paris. Um, it can change from Longland to Philippe Chart- Chartrier. It's a little bit harder, Longland, a little bit little bit higher bounce, um, I think. If I can remember, it's been a while since I've played there. But they, they are still different, too, and that's unusual. What about the guy who uh, has not played a lot of clay court tennis over the last few years? Roger? Yes. Um, what kind of chances do you give him at Paris? I mean, I think he'll go deep for sure. Uh, I think that, you know, this is a guy that you can pretty much write a ticket to the quarters straight away um, just because he's so good. I mean, he's best of five. He's so good. He's going to talk about playing every match on one court. He will play every match on Chartier. Um, Fan favorite. I mean, this is the the major closest to... For what it's worth, I mean, he's yeah, popular anywhere he goes, but yeah, you know, matter. he's three-hour train ride from. Talk home. about putting someone on court eight. Doesn't matter. You can put him on court eight in Central Park here, where he practices sometimes. He's been there. It doesn't matter. I mean, Roger's the most popular. But you, tennis I mean, is he, is he a contender? Yeah, is absolutely. He, I mean, uh, absolutely. I mean, the only guy that's really negated him winning five or six French Opens is Rafael Nadal. Right. So you know, if Rafa is certainly not at his absolute best, I mean, there's absolutely no question that Roger can can win. The French Open, no question. He's once he gets once these top players get through the first week, that you know, which they will do. That's when you start going. Okay, these are the guys that you expect to be there. Now, when you talk about the outsiders, like the teams and the Vavrinkas and these guys that really can do damage, they will certainly have a bigger say, I think, this year than they've ever had at the French Open. You've not mentioned the name Alexander Zverev, mm. who at this point last year, uh, people wondered if the breakthrough was weeks away yeah and i i'm a little i mean obviously look he had a great end of the year um with what he did in london but i'm surprised that with Nadal, with uh with lendl you know having been in his camp right, right. um making a little bit more of a difference uh i don't know look he's still young um i have very high hopes for him in the future i don't know what's going on physically mentally why he's not having the results that we expected him to have um but you know look i i, I have no I have no. I'm not panicking about his future. I think it is. It's going to be very bright. But, but no, yeah. Jamie. I mean, Jamie said this last week too that he's. You know, he's he's 22. Yeah, that's so nothing young. now. No, now he's he so got young. 10 more he years. Just looks so, old. Uh, I don't know what it is. He um no. So he's well. There's a 
allegedly a, a dispute with an agent and there's mm. some off court stuff. Yeah. But it used to be, boy, if you don't start making inroads by, you know, Andre wins Wimbledon, it's just in the nick of time. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. But, crazy. but I still think that tennis now is so different than what it was 10 years ago. Um, you know, 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. And the fact that tennis is not a sprint anymore. You know, you used to have to try and sprint from 20 to 30. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was like, literally, I mean, I remember it's like when you were 28, you were like, Oh my God, my, my tennis career is over soon. And it's like, no, you got another 10 years left. I mean, look at Roger, look at uh, Serena and Venus and the results that they had in their mid to Well, even I would say that, but even like take a step, you know, next tier down, I mean, the Fabio Faninis of the world. I mean, there yeah. are a lot of sort of middle tier players. That's what I mean. Well, there's so much great. money now that they can afford to travel with more entourages. They can afford to travel with the trainer, or physio, or right. somebody to really help them maintain their body, and they can and they're happier. I mean, that's one of the things that people don't talk about is that you kind of, especially for women, when you get into your 30s, you start thinking about, okay, I want to have kids, I want to have a family, and so you think, oh shit, I can't do that at 39. I mean, I mean, you can certainly. People are having kids right. into their late 30s and 40s but you know the chances are it's a little bit harder it's a little bit more difficult do i really want to have a kid at 40 so you know you have to weigh up those options as a woman for the men that's it's no big deal for them i mean they can have 10 kids and still be playing so and they probably want to get away from their home i mean i would think i mean roger takes everyone with him but he travels privately so hey you know, it's easier for him. Not sure anyone wants to leave ten kids at home. No, but you're right. I mean, I think I think a for sort I don't of think career wants longevity. To have 10 kids. No, but for anti-aging type of. I yeah. mean, there's there's absolutely there's also a financial incentive to keep. If you're pick a name, Feliciano Lopez. Yeah, of course, it's a good life. Why why it am I good, rushing the packet? In? But I think the thing prior to was when you were 30, 31, you weren't making the yeah, money that saying. they're making yeah. now. So right. you know, it was like, all right, let me focus on uh, the other part of my life now. You know, whereas now. I, the, th- literally, th- like, 40 is the new 30 in tennis. Like, 40 is now, I think, becoming more of the retirement age for players than it was. 30 was definitely the retirement age 15 years ago for tennis we, players. we all win. So, therefore, you have to – you better have won a Grand Slam by 21. Right. You only got no, nine years left, saying, yeah, exactly. which go quick. Right. They go quick. Right. Well, 20 and 30. I mean, it used to be – you know, McEnroe, I don't think, won a major after he turned 25. Well, that's, but, my, um, that's my point. No, but I think we all win, right? So, the players, it's less pressure. They can prolong a career. You have a slump at 22 and big deal. I got 10 more years here. I think fans can have longer time to associate with players. Brands can – have a longer time to associate yeah. with players. I think this is all. It's all good. Any any reason not to? It's all like good. This longevity. I mean, the WTA and I put in that um, age eligibility rule for that reason. You know, we didn't want to see the Jennifer Capriati's retiring early and the Hingises and Kim Kleisters and all these players that all quit at one point. Ash Barty. I mean, it's like there's been some unbelievable players that have re- retired and come back. Right. And, you know, now it's like, all right, if I get injured, there's no panic to come back too quickly because they know, look, I've got a long time. It's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint anymore. All right. Women's tennis. Yeah. Uh, Petra Kvitova is a two-time Wimbledon champion. You know what else she is? She's the only player in 2018 to, to win, win two multiple titles. Yes, uh, so, A, this has kind of been a talking point mm-hmm. for the last few weeks especially. Do we like this parody? I do. I think it's great. I think it shows you the depth of women's tennis. I mean, uh, do you want somebody winning a tournament every single week? Sure. You you know, you build a superstar. You know, if Naomi Osaka kept winning after Australia, and you're just like, okay, she's the next thing. Right. I just think it's so much more difficult now. I think it's such a unique, special individual it takes to win week after week after week in Grand Slams because 
it's a lot of pressure. And now with social media and all this other extra stuff, I mean, every time I look at Naomi, she's doing some photo shoot or she's doing something else. Sure. It's like, Boy. oh my God, if you can, if you have people around you that can pull you back and literally stop you from doing a lot of that and focus on tennis only, it's hard though. Cause you know, everyone around you is paid by you. What do you, uh, what do you make of her? Right now, Naomi. I, mean, I, I find her to be at such a really interesting point. In her, we're not talking about it. She goes to the French Open as a two-time defending great. She's going for a third straight major. Yeah, we're not. She switched about coaches. She's no. now with Nike. She's mm. got a lot, as you say, a lot of obligations. At the same time, especially, and I, I think this came out a little bit in this lawsuit. I mean, mm -hmm. she did not come from not that long ago. She was not living a privileged existence. No, I would be doing the same thing. Yeah. You know what? If Three, four years ago, I was really struggling and suddenly came into vast wealth. I'd be doing that extra photo shoot, too, I think. Yeah, but well that's where you've got to have the people around you maybe to say, okay, yeah, but you're 21. You just won two back-to-back -back Grand Slams. You're fine. You just banked about probably $10 million with two tournament victories easily. I mean, when you're talking about prize money on top of right. her endorsements. Well, and the, I mean, you and I both know this, too. The, the Japan endorsement oh, portfolio exactly. well, is that, a completely different well, just set the, of numbers. Just the sponsorship she would have got for, for the bonuses from Nike and from, excuse me, from uh, Yonex and uh, Adidas at the time that she won those two grand slams would have been enormous. I mean, you, you can pretty much write a, probably a $10 million check for those two wins. So it's like you money's fine. Like, you're 21, like... Let's focus on what you need to be doing. I mean, when you look at Venus and when you look at Serena, let's use Serena as a backdrop because, you know, she looks after Serena so much. Serena at 2019, 2021 was winning Grand Slams and all she wanted to do was win more. Like there was nothing that was going to stop her from winning more Grand Slams and more Grand Slams and more tournaments. And Steffi was the same way. Those people come along so rarely, John, anymore. You win a Grand Slam and you're like, I just want to win it. I mean, listen, Naomi wants to win another one. So does Petra. So does everybody else that's won a Grand Slam. But that undying necessity right. to not lose at a Grand Slam, I don't think it's there as much as it, – it's not yeah, there so, right yeah, now someone, with somebody. I can't remember who it was. Someone else said that on the podcast. It's yeah. a little, no disrespect, but I don't sense this is unquenchable thirst no. that we see in other players. And it's, you know, maybe because the money is so enormous that it takes over and because of social media and because of all the obligations that these people have now put on them, it's it's crazy how much they have to do. I mean, the press that they have to do and everything, it's so different. I mean, back when press. Steffi and, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, geez, you win a Grand Slam and you're there for, people don't see, you lift up that trophy, trust me, you don't right. even see your people for like three hours. You're like getting pulled from pillar to post after that. So, you know, there's a lot of responsibility on you when you win a Slam. What, um, I mean, Petra can play well on clay. She did not have a particularly good French Open last year. Obviously, it would be a, a terrific story. Um, yeah. Well, she was Hollip my pick at Wimbledon. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what are we... Uh, I mean, she was my pick at Wimbledon last year and crashed out in the first round. The problem with Petra is that just that there's some days where she just has yeah, a bad day. Totally right. You know, the ball just flies right. off the racket long. She can't find the court. She just doesn't feel good. Something's missing. The Delta she can have those play, days. At, at majors especially. But also, you know, she won Stuttgart, and I will say it's a perfect clay court for her. It's indoors. And Stuttgart we know is, that Petra right. Kvitova is probably the best indoor tennis player we've seen in the last decade. Every tournament she wins almost has a roof either available <laughs> or over her. 
But she, I mean, she won Madrid last year. Uh, again, into the French. but again, the well, okay, again, Madrid is a whole different. Whoever wins Madrid, I don't even look at them to to be a contender for the French Open. I mean, I do obviously because they're great players and all great players win Madrid. But it's at altitude. You don't think the it ball's has the flying? Predictive value? No, of, of not them. at all. No, no, that's why Rome is more of, right, a, of, right. of a predictor. Right. Than Madrid. I mean, hello, did Rafa win Madrid one time in the 10 times <laughs> that he's right, played it? Yeah. Because it's altitude, it's super quick, it actually favors really big service. And again, it's got a roof available to it. You really feel like you're playing indoors there. You don't feel like you're playing outside. What, and so um, that's why Petra you know, won there last year because it's perfect for her. It's why Roger won Madrid many, many times. It's perfect for him. It's funny. We, we just had lunch, we were talking about it. Barty, and we were talking mm. about um, you know Plitschkova, who you worked with. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned Serena Williams once. What? Um, where? Where are you with that? Well, you know, I mean, listen, when Serena enters a tournament, she's one of the favorites still because she knows how to win them and she knows how to navigate through a Grand Slam and a big tournament. But you know, I also I follow her on Instagram and I follow her on Twitter, and you know, I see where she's do- what she's doing and where she's at, and she's busy. She's bu- she seems to be busy doing anything but. On a tennis court. And I, so I worry a little bit about that. You know, she's, I don't, I mean, I'm sure, and I do think to myself, God, I wonder if she practiced this morning. That's the first thing I think of. When does she get her practice in? When is she practicing? Because she's, you know, doing this photo shoot and she's, you know, doing her clothing line or she's doing a commercial. And I mean, good for her. I mean, she should be doing whatever the hell she wants to do. Right. You know, she's with Olympia or whatever's going on, but she, I don't see her very much on the practice court. So I'm like, God, if you want to contend, she knows better than anyone you really got to spend a lot of time and i'm not saying that she's not doing that but what i see on in, in social media is that how, where does she find the time it's incredible if she's practicing and getting ready for these tournaments and still doing what she's doing she's a, she's a unicorn if she can do well how much of that is just what she's choosing to hmm. put on social media though that's what i'm saying i don't know i mean you know i'm not like texting her and being like hey did you practice this morning or i feel like i'm not her coach you know what i mean but 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 I see what she's do- doing right now, and she's working really hard off of the tennis court with all of her other stuff. And if she is working and practicing, my God, how does she how does she do it all? It's incredible. She's a mom. She's doing all of this other stuff, and she's practicing and working out in the gym. Good God, God bless you, Serena. If you uh, come out and play well on the clay court season, because you are an incredible human being. If you can do that, and an athlete. I hope she is. I was she's say, up there at six in the morning uh, practicing. I mean, I, you know, last year's French Open was so strange with that, where she looked really rusty. Well, right come out on. of the base, and then no, by the middle of the tournament, no, no, and then she played doubles with Venus, and yeah. then all of a sudden, by the middle of the tournament, four or five days in, you're thinking, you know well, what? It uh, catches up, and to then you. she suffered an injury playing doubles and yeah. pulled out against Sharapova. It catches but, up um, with you if you haven't done. No, but my my point is the problem is if you haven't played a lot of matches. Yeah, people don't realize. Big practicing huh? is yeah. one thing, yeah. and you can push yourself as hard as anyone can possibly practice. But as soon as you get on the match, it's a whole different story because you're pushing yourself a little bit more, just naturally, and you're also a little more stressed, so the body's under more stress. So your body reacts differently, and it strains it more. And that's the issue, and Serena hasn't played a match now in a long so time. Keep, so people say that all the time. I can play practice sets till 2 it's in the morning. It's, it's different. True. So what is it? Is it the scoreboard? Is it the, it's the ball boys and the chair fish? But what specifically is the source of the stress? It, it's a combination. It's, it's, it's the anxiety in, in your body. Of so, what? Though? Of losing? So, uh, uh, it, uh, yeah, of, of losing, of like being out there, and it really make, it really matters. I mean, in practice, when you're playing a set against another player, you, I mean, you're like, oh, shit, I don't want to lose a set, or I, 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 just, I don't want to get broken. No, I mean, play, you still, players say this all the time. But you're not like, right. this is life and death. 
Like when you're out there on a, in a grand slam and you're down break point, your body is like, and your brain is like ticking over time. Oh my God, oh my God, you know, and, and, you, and you see that drop shot and you run and you hustle and you reach out for it. In practice, you're like, eh, but what really but, need but, to run but, for that? That drill, drill deeper here. Is is it the fact that they're saying advantage stubs? Is it the prize money? Is it that the results are going to be all over the internet? Is it the ranking? Like what? When play, players say this all the time, it's right? a list, right? You just what, put a list down. But what and I ticked all of them. Specifically, is it when all people say the match? You cannot replicate the stress of a match, and you want to say, is it okay? I tell you what, what is it is. Exactly? It's like when you, for you know, the lame, you know, people at home that have never played in a grand slam or you know had this moment. It's like when you, you know, when you go to do a speech and you practice that speech in front of your family and your friends, and you know, it's nerve wracking, right? You're like, okay, I don't want to mess this up, and you get it right, and you get it right, and you get it right, and then all of a sudden you walk onto the stage and bam, the lights go on. Ugh, it's like the pulse rate. You can feel it in right. your heart. You know, you right. can feel it in your neck. It's, you've, wait, I've done this a hundred times. I, I just did this in front of a light camera for practice. And then all of a sudden when they go five, four, on the air, and three, two, and they point at you and those lights go on, you're just like, Ugh. It's similar in that respect. And, I mean, not everybody's going to do a speech in front of no, a, good a million though. people it's and good, lights uh, come on, but you kind of get that. Um, but that's what it feels like. And it's just there's just more on the line. There's just more on the line in every spec. So you run harder, you try harder, you have more nerves, and there's just more, 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 more on the line. You see all these injuries occur in matches that don't the exact same movements I yeah. do in practice a thousand you're times. You're tense. I mean, it's you're tense. That's the best way to put it. Your body is way more tense because in practice you know it's not going to matter right. that much. Whereas in a match, mm -hmm. it's everything. Um, all right, last question. You are uh, well known for your doubles play, Grand Slam doubles champion. It's not a sea change, but we do seem to be seeing more and more singles players. Zitsipas is an example mm -hmm. on the men's side. So we talked about Ash mm -hmm. Barty. Mm -hmm. um, are we getting to a point where we're going to see more and more singles players playing doubles? And what do you make of that? Well, I, I hope so. Um, yeah, we are starting to see a little bit of that. I mean, we've had a smattering. You know, it's funny that you say this because in the last 10 years, I would say, you know, a lot of players chose not to play too many doubles tournaments or matches. There's a smattering here and there that play Indian Wells and Miami and maybe some big tournaments right, where they have right. a little bit more time. Right. But man, when I played back in my day, don't you love that? Oh, when you people turned say into that, one of those. I turned into one of those. Yeah. Everybody played. Everybody played singles and doubles. Arancha Sanchez Vicaria, number one in singles and doubles. Kim Kleist, oh, number one in singles every, every and doubles. Every major, Venus and Serena. Venus and Serena, yeah, I know. Every yeah. bloody time I'm playing a semi or a final, guess who I'm playing against? You know, wish, you know that doesn't happen anymore. But it's like. You know, not that I'm bitter, but, um, you know, it's like when you think about, you know, the Natasha's Verovas and, I mean, Steffi won a, a Wimbledon doubles with Gabriella Sabatini. You know, Martina Navrilova, everybody played singles and doubles. Uh, you know, Isugiyamas to Daniela Hentikova to all these great players. And the money got so much in singles that they just were like, yeah. And plus, here's the thing. Nobody plays doubles anymore. Even the doubles players. They're all standing back on the baseline. They're just hitting and hitting and hitting. And, and you see a lot of four players I mean, in the backcourt. I, yeah. I honestly can say there's not one. There's about two or three true serve and volleyers that play doubles anymore. And everyone's like, well, the game's changed. No, it hasn't. The people that play classic doubles actually do very well. It's why Hingis was dominant when she came back. It's why someone like a Bethany Maddox-Sands does well in doubles because she still moves and is plays at the net like a doubles player. It's why, you know, Demi Schurz has had a good couple who would never make it on the singles tour, you know, has done well in the last year or two um, playing doubles because she serves in volleys and she, you're cutting angles. So for me, these players that are starting to play doubles again – 
like the Ash Buddies, um, you know, Vika Azarenka's played a lot of doubles in the last 12 months coming back, mm. is that it teaches you how to cut angles and it teaches you how to play and be a little bit more secure at the net. And I think that's vital when you're playing matches now because there's so many players that would win so many more matches if they were more comfortable at the net. Bottom line. I mean, I can name 10 right now that I thought if they could come in and be a little bit more comfortable at the net, someone like a Sloane Stevens, you know, her, her volleys are okay. I mean, if she played a little more doubles, would she get more comfortable? I don't know. Madison Keys, these sort of players that have huge weapons on the back of the court. If they could just transition a little bit into the net, I mean, they could finish these points off so, so much easily. What, uh, what about what you were just saying before, though, about the stress of match play versus the stress of practice? That I think it's great. Azarenka's getting well, all Well, that's the thing that Ash Body loves. Yeah, right. She's exactly. like, I prefer to play a doubles match than go out and practice. It's a good way to look at you it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, John McEnroe said that all the time. He'd rather go and play a doubles match than go and practice. I mean, who wants to practice? Practice sucks. You we're know, playing a match practice. is different. Um, <laughs> exactly. Let's, uh, you've got to run uptown. We've got to give up the studio. And most importantly, Jamie's sister. Don't know. He's about to give birth. Did I tell you that? I know. We're, I'm, very, I'm feeling stressed become, for you, Jamie. Uh, Do you know what it is? Is it a boy or a girl? It's a girl. Oh, oh nice. you can be. You can like take her dressing, take her shopping, and all that. Or she can play soccer like her aunt. Oh, oh there nice. you go. How about wow. tennis? What about tennis? Or tennis. Well, tennis is a better sport for a girl. Let them choose. A lot more money. All the sports. She will, we will try all the sports. We will not single out. Good. There you go. Yeah. So Good. Uh, oh, well, I did a lot Dave of sports right growing there. up, so there you go. You played other sports? Oh, yeah. I played a lot of sports until I was about 11 and 12, and then I really started if, concentrating If tennis doesn't tennis. exist, what would you have played? Golf. As long as you didn't say that netball. No, I did play netball, though. I was a center mm -hmm. and a goal. I was gold defense. Um, There's a lot of sports I could have played, I think. We uh, we made it this far without talking tennis politics. I feel like this, this was like, uh, what do you call it? This was like in, what do they call it? We're, a, like unicorn. A, We're a unicorn podcast. This, is a, this was a palate cleanser. We have the French Open coming up in... Four weeks from today, I think. We didn't even right? talk about who's going to be the favorite at the French Open for the women. I mean. Right. We're working on the assumption it's a wide open field. All right. Let's go back to that. What do you got? Wide open field? What do you got for the women? Well, again, I want to see um, who wins Rome. I mean, for me, who wins Rome is is going to be the favorite. Um, I think that Halep's back on the court. She's practicing. We'll see. She's incredibly comfortable on clay. This is where she's happiest. Um, I think she's the favorite going into the the French Open. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Sloan. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I mean, engaged. listen, I know. A happy engagement, yeah. too, uh, Sloan to Josie. Um, but Madison certainly put up her hand by winning Charleston. Um, not indicative to the clay I was in Paris. Say, that's like a Madrid situation. It, right? A little bit, a little bit, yes. Um, but look, she made the semis last year. So she certainly knows how to play on clay. She loves sliding around there and she can use her weapons. And actually, clay sort of negates some of her like mistakes that she makes on other courts because she feels like she has she, to go she for it. She said that. Whereas she on clay, yeah. she all of a sudden her patience level is there because she knows I can still hit a winner from anywhere on this court, but I know that I also don't have to. So it sort of puts her in a more comfortable zone, being and especially Paris. Paris is fast. I mean, it's a fast clay court. So it's not like you have to be super defensive. Um, so I think Madison will certainly be putting up her hand to, to go deep at the French. Um, as I said, we'll see what happens with um, Sloan, what, what's going on there. But Halep, Halep is my favorite. She is? Yeah. To defend? Yeah. Interesting. Um, no, I, I'm kind of out of the prediction game with women. The one thing I will say. Know, isn't that fun, though? I, you know, the one thing I will say about this Aaron women's tennis we can argue about whether parity is preferable, and that seems to be a big topic. I, I love the variety, though. Mm, and me too. 
We didn't even talk about Osaka. How's she going to do? The, the clay, uh, the clay is a little bit of a TBD. But um, all right, let's uh, let's do this again. Jamie's got to go uh, attend a child, attend the b- birth of a. What, uh, what are you, of a well, niece. she's not the doctor. It's um, not like she's taking the baby out. Jamie's got to catch a train. I've got to run. You've got to run. I've got to run. This was uh, yeah. this was great though. I was happy to actually talk tennis for a bit. Yeah, it's fun always. Thanks, John. All right, that does it for this week. Thanks, as always, to Jamie, our producer, who now has to run and go be an aunt. Thanks to Renee for popping in. Lower Manhattan resident Renee Stubbs. You can catch her commentary. She will be back in the coaching game soon. Always a pleasure to talk shop with her. Keep your guest suggestions coming, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Take care, everyone.